0: Lord of my heart Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to be together. In person, virtually, called together by your sovereign call through the blood of Christ, claimed, redeemed. Sanctified. Bless us, O Lord, as we reflect upon your word this day and the great gift of salvation we have been given through the church which you have established upon the confession of Peter. Bless us with increased love, faith, and commitment. And this we ask in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Amen. Well, God's call to faith, you heard me mention this in last week's sermon, God's call to faith, while it's always personal, is never, never individual. This week, the story of Abram and Sarai continues in our first reading. We see the name change I referenced in last week's sermon actually happened. God repeats the promise he made in the covenant ceremony of Genesis 15, which we read about last week. Understand, it's 13 years later. And Abram is still childless by Sarai. And this time, when God speaks to Abram and repeats his promise, they've already had the covenant ceremony whereby God promises to fulfill both halves of the covenant and now he's reminding Abram of his promise. And this time as a mark of Abram's faith he is required to mark himself physically in a most tender part of his flesh as a sign that he trusts the Lord, and belongs to the Lord. And so Abram, the exalted father, is renamed Abraham, father of a multitude. And this precious mark of the covenant in the flesh of men, ladies, fortunately you didn't have to do this, This mark of the covenant is so significant that any man of Abram's family not bearing the mark shall be cut off from the people. Now in an era when people are all too willing to cut themselves off from family members who might express disapproval of them or they're willing to cancel the person who was their ally yesterday, it's hard for us to imagine how dire a warning this was, the enormity of the consequences of being cut off from the people. See, we not only require human socialization to develop our human faculties, as I talked about last week, we require it on an ongoing basis for our health, mental and physical. Even the social isolation or social distancing, as we've all been forced to learn the language of, that is perfectly within the bounds of what modern society deems normal, leads to depression and physical ailments. In fact, some studies suggest that the impact, the impact of our isolation and loneliness on our health and mortality are of the same order of magnitude as obesity, heart disease high blood pressure, smoking. It is indeed not good for us to be alone. We're social creatures. And our biological and psychological and social systems are all designed so that we have to live in a collaborative network with other people. But in the ancient world, And in the modern world until very, very recently when we decided to deliberately undermine familial and social stability in the interest of personal autonomy, well, the most fundamental of relationships into which we would be intertwined was that of the family, including the extended family. Adam and Eve are commanded to be fruitful and multiply in the garden. To become a people who are indeed an extended family. And The people in our reading from Genesis today from whom the uncircumcised were to be cut off were their extended family. They were their protection, their resource for living. They were the bulwark of both their mental and physical health in a dangerous, dangerous world. To be cut off in that way is not a threat that you'll need to find new people to hang out with. It's the threat of physical and psychological and spiritual death. This is why Abram's call is for the sake of the people yet to be born from the the promise that God gives him in our reading. Not just for his son Isaac, but for all who will be born after him. Which is why God shows him the stars and shows him the sand to let him know what he's giving birth to through his promise. And if Abram's call is for the sake of the people, the people's call in return is to strengthen the community from which they derive their very lives and every blessing they enjoy. This is why when people go to John the Baptist, he has to say to them, don't just say you've got Abraham for your father because that was the most important connection of which they knew. Now in our second reading, In our second reading, we hear again how the blessing of the godly community within the covenant people of Israel, which was always meant to be a blessing to others, a light to reveal God to the nations. Well, that blessing, the blessing of testimony, would become the blessing of full inclusion in the people of God for the Gentiles. Ethnic Israel, ethnic Israel was identified by a blood connection to Abraham and trust in the promise God made to him. And the identifying mark of that connection was circumcision in the flesh. The church of Jesus Christ, on the other hand, is identified by its trust in the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham in Jesus Christ. The confession we've just heard Peter make in our Gospel reading. And from there, its identifying mark in the flesh is holy baptism, which Colossians 2.11 calls the circumcision of Christ. And this time it is for both men and women. Becoming a member of the church makes us family, God's family, as much as anyone related to Abraham was part of Abraham's family. But in a way that defies our separations by ethnicity or by blood, by sex, in a way way more significant than being a child of Abraham. Now the confession... Of faith, and Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Well, that's a gift of the Father, as we hear clearly from Jesus today, and just as He gave to Abram a precious, unmerited gift that gave birth to a nation, so He gives to us a gift—a gift that upon which His Church, His Ecclesia which just, that's the Greek word for assembly, or the way translate it as church. His nation defined not by ethnicity, but by faith and fealty to Jesus Christ as King. The heir to David's eternal throne, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of the living God, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. That is the gift we have received through the people of, the assembly that God has convened through faith in that confession. This defining, establishing faith is revealed to us just as it was to Peter, not by flesh and blood, but by the Father. But... The Father uses, just as He did in the person of Jesus, flesh and blood to bring that message to us. You see, it's only, it's only the community of faith, the church of Jesus Christ, that for all her failures and all her sins, which are multitudinous because it's filled with sinners, which it should be, it's only the church of Jesus Christ that is dedicated to the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments, which are God's chosen instrument to bring us to faith. See, Peter encountered Jesus in the flesh. And so the Father revealed to him Jesus' identity. We encounter Jesus. See Him depicted for us in the word of the Apostle. Through the preaching of the word, through the sacraments, through the singing of the word in our hymns, through our speaking of the word to each other in the halls, in the social hall, in the parking lot, in the coffee shop. It is through the church that one encounters Christ and through encountering Christ that that the Father brings faith in Him as Messiah. This is why to be apart from the church of God is in a fundamental way to be apart from Christ. However strong our individual faith, if we're apart from the church, we are in a significant way apart from Christ. For our efforts are not given to the love and preservation and perpetuation and ongoing formation of the people The community, the only community that the Bible calls the body of Christ. This is why God's call to faith, while it's always personal, is never individual. It's always corporate. It is always through and for the sake of the church. Whereby someone else will be called to faith as well. And this church, we are told by Jesus today, is marching on the gates of hell. If you've never thought about this before, think about it now. When Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, gates are fixed fortifications protecting a compound. As General Patton said, fixed fortifications are monuments to the stupidity of man. Or in this case, a a dark angel. We are meant to be assaulting the gates of hell by our testimony, by our lives of charity and witness, by our celebration and acclamation of the name of Jesus Christ and the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are enlisted in a war we didn't start, drafted for service we wouldn't choose, but which we cannot avoid and be faithful to our king. And just as a lone soldier is more easily picked off than a platoon or a brigade or an army, so we are meant to be assaulting the powers of sin, death, and the devil in this world, not just as individuals, but together as the church of Jesus Christ. How how will we respond to the call? I want to tell you the story of William Patrick Hitler. I owe Pastor Ken Klaus this from Lutheran Hour Ministries. It's got to be hard to have a name like Hitler at any time since World War II. How do you think it was in America in 1939? How do you think it was if you were a German immigrant to America in 1939? How do you think it was if you were the only known living descendant of the German Chancellor? who had immigrated to America in 1939. It could not have been easy. But William Patrick Hitler so wanted to serve in the American armed forces and battle against the evil he perceived as the only living descendant of Adolf Hitler that he petitioned the president of the united states he went through an exhaustive fbi clearance before he was finally allowed to enlist in the naval forces of the united states where he served for 2 years until he was injured he took a stand for what he believed in he stood firm in his faith he acted like a man and did what he did out of love for his country the creed that country represented. It's quite an example for us, isn't it? We, once upon a time, he fought a Third Reich which proclaimed a thousand years it would reign. We are called to fight against a kingdom that is already doomed to failure. We know the war is won for we know Christ has raised up victorious beyond the grave. So we can joyfully join in with our brothers and sisters linked arm to arm with the army of God to fight against the forces of sin, death, and the devil wherever they are at work in the world. We can strengthen one another when our arms are flagging We can bless one another when our spirits lag we can serve in love alongside one another and in so doing give glory to our father in heaven and his Christ who has sacrificed so much for us and our victory will you join me for a word of prayer Blessed Lord Jesus, we do thank You that You have freed us by Your blood, that in You all the mysteries of all the ages have come together to reveal the love of the Father for His fallen creation. Strengthen us for our duties this day. Let us find joy in the service You call us to even as we have found joy joy in you. Let us look to one another as brothers and sisters united by far more than any blood could do to unite us except yours. Let all the little separations of this life fall away as we consider our unity in you. Put our shoulders into the harness to serve together Your purposes on earth, that Your will might be done here as it is in heaven. This we ask in Your precious name, for You live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Be Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else That Thou art Be Thou my best Start in the day And the night Waking or sleeping Thy presence my light